Hello and welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. March we're celebrating International Women's Day, which, if you have been living under a rock, is the day we celebrate the social, economical, cultural and political achievements of women everywhere. We're going to be hearing from the creators of the graphic novel Sally Heathcote Suffragette very, very soon. But before that, I wanted to talk about a few vintage books that are coming out this year that we are pumped about. Jumping in in June, get excited. We've got some vintage feminism new editions coming out. One of them is a short edition of Emmeline Pankhurst's beautiful autobiography, My Own Story, an inside story to the tireless campaigning, the betrayals of by men in power, the relentless rounds of arrests and hunger strikes, the horror of force feeding. It's a phenomenal read. It's only a fiver and is going to be introduced by Jess Phillips, personally my favourite female politician. In September, we've got Sheila Hetty and her book, Motherhood. You might remember from her phenomenal book um, that came out a couple of years ago called How Should a Person Be? This is a book that straddles between novel and essay. It's Sheila's narration through her own minefield uh, as she reaches an age when most of her peers are asking themselves when they will become mothers. It's pretty radical. It raises some really essential questions about the role of womanhood and its relationship to parenting. And if you're anything like me, you're going to love it. Most recently in January, we had the publication of Brit-ish, Afgore Hirsch's amazing um, manifesto about identity and belonging in modern Britain. Uh, We already have interviewed her on the podcast, actually, so do go back and listen to that. She's phenomenal. Also coming in June, this is just my face. Try not to stare. What a title. This is a book from Gabourey Sidibe the Oscar-nominated actor in Precious, among lots of other phenomenal roles. On the 7th of June, she is publishing her whirlwind um, account of her life so far. We meet her polyamorous dad, her gifted mum who fed their family by busking on the subway, and her first ever job as a phone sex talker, which apparently is less creepy than you'd think. It talks depression, race, weight, confidence, and I think you're going to love it. That is the 7th of June. Put it in your diary. Okay, On with the interview. The collaboration between legendary cartoonist and illustrator Brian and his wife, the academic Mary Tolbert, proved a really great collaboration. So good, in fact, they won the Costa Best Memoir Prize in 2013 with Daughter of Her Father's Eyes. In their most recent book, they joined up with illustrator Kate Charlesworth to look back at the era of women's suffrage through the medium of graphic novel. They taught collaboration, different narrative mediums and how far we really have come since the days of the suffragettes. Hello, Mary, Kate and Brian, and thanks so much for for joining us. Um, Now, let's just sort of get things straight to start with. There are three of you um, writing the book together, a words and pictures book. Just tell us how that works in terms of who does what and how it all sort of comes comes together. Well, it began with, began with Mary, really. Yes, I wrote a script. <laughs> uh, well, I did a lot of research, which eventually g- culminated in a script. I, mean, I started it in 2010, as a matter of fact, as soon as I'd finished writing the script for Daughter of Her Father's Eyes. I was searching around for another absorbing project, 
and I wanted I was interested in exploring things about feminist history I didn't know about and it turned out to be suffragettes <laughs> I mean I, I explored it in the library for a long time and realized that I could get a really cracking story out of it and that's how it how it sort of works and that's how it works with daughter of her father's eyes as well you start with with the the story you start oh, yes. with, with yes, the words definitely yeah. um, and in that previous book Brian then you sort of took over with the picture on this occasion, it was it was both you and Kate. Yeah, what, what, what the happened? biggest difference I thought with the script for Dotter and the script for Sally was that um, Dotter was Mary's first graphic novel script, and um, it was a lot more sort of loosely laid out. The script, mm. a bit like a, a mm. stage play almost, and I came in to break it up into pages and individual panels. Now and again, Mary had mentioned you know certain panels are important, but uh, I did that with Sally. Mary broke it up into pages. You know, page one, panel one, this is happening. Um, so it was a lot more like a conventional comic script for me. And, yeah, I took over next, and I produced all the layouts for the book, um, which means, you know, I did all the sort of panel borders and the lettering and the placement of the balloons, and then I did, you know, with, on a Wacom tablet straight on computer, I did rough layouts for Kate to follow, which involved sort of telling the story visually, but in a very basic, very rough way, you know, composing each panel so there's a close in this panel there's, you know, uh, uh, there's this sort of body language, here's the placement of the people on this, in this crowd scene, you know, things like that so I sort of did the, the loose visual storytelling um, I also did a, the book design and um, I did the end papers and I actually did the artwork for page 165, didn't I, which is the collage page, but then I did it on ten page batches which then went off to Kate Yep. So, Kate, then you come into the story. Then I came into the story. <laughs> well, actually, I came into the story, I think, in 2011 when I met Brian and he said, oh, Mary's writing a script for another graphic novel. Would you be interested? And I think you mentioned it was about the suffragettes and I said, well, yes, actually. Yes, fantastic Because you've been idea. into the suffragettes for quite a while. Well, mm. you know, just women's history. Mm. Although I didn't realise how little I knew about the suffragettes until I read the script and started working on it. Um you know, I had a very scant knowledge, as it turned out, just the usual you know, Pankhurst and uh, the Emily Davidson. Um, but the uh, the pages came through from... We did all this by email. And um, the pages came through to me in Photoshop layers, the lettering, the grid, and the, as Brian's described, the layout. So I actually, I actually printed the whole lot out. And I've got this ancient machine at home called a Grant Projector, which is like a huge bellows... A camera thing, and I slipped it and slipped the artwork, the printout, onto the tray underneath. Adjust the bellows, and the image appears on a glass screen. So I did a very quick trace of that at the size at which I work, which is about half up, about twice half up as big as the book, and then made my drawing from that, traced that through on a light box onto the actual paper I was going to use, and then went pen, uh, brush, and ink. And um, and watercolour. And it was just getting into a routine. Yeah. Um, and after you'd done the first uh, pencil, you'd send them to I us. Did, yeah. And then, just you know, the case. thing is, we're, the, the three yeah. of us are all perfectionists. And we're all <laughs> nitpicking, oh, you know. <laughs> yep. so, so, of course, then you, you um, would, would come in again, Mary, and say, well, I don't 
think that's quite yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, like, and actually, yeah, I want yeah, to yeah. tweak the story a bit yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, no, the story didn't ch- ch- no, change no, very no. little. It was just a matter mm. of whether the, the characters in a particular panel were actually expressing clearly enough what they were supposed mm. to be. Yep. And in my case, I'm sort of saying, oh, you know, this lamppost. It, last time we saw this, this street, <laughs> lamp you know, post. 20 pages ago, it was it was over there. It was at oh, the side of the door, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the joy of Photoshop. Yeah, this lamppost right. moved around all over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I when I'm doing the rough layouts, I didn't have to concentrate on things like ephemera or, or sort of period costume detail. I just mm-hmm. did a generic sort of Edwardian sort of costume, and Kate did all the research, the the, the, the um, you know proper. So you sort of set the kind of the, the sort of structure as it were you kind of made the sort of framework and then yeah. Kate you came in and sort of fleshed brought that out. to life and fleshed yeah. it yeah. out I mean <clears throat> I mean Mary and Brian provided me with an awful lot of visual material I mean some of it was very specific with some very architectural pages in it for instance that when the first one came through I thought god <laughs> but actually I quite like doing that so in about every four or half a dozen pages there's some great building or there's parliament or Buckingham Palace, you know, sure. in great detail, which I rather liked. So things like that were worked directly from photographs. Um, and and there were certain uh, photographs of suffrage meetings, for instance, that we we use because it's because it's it's very accurate. Mm. And, and using f- photographic period reference like that just, I think, enhances the authenticity of it. And, you know, I mean, period details like <clears throat> wardrobe, I tried to use for, for for the named characters like Mrs. Pankhurst, Mrs. Pethick Lawrence, I tried to use known outfits that they actually really did wear in, in, in reference that I found. To give that sense of real sort mm. of authenticity. Mm. I was very interested and, and actually relieved to hear you say that a lot of it you didn't know because I found myself thinking exactly the same thing as I read the book. I would have thought I knew the kind of basics of, of the history of the suffrage movement. But so many of these these people were unknown to me and their stories and their characters were unknown to me. Um Mary, that must have been very much in your mind when you were writing the script, that you were really revealing a lot of of things that people didn't know. Well, my own response was the same as yours, you know, when I started reading around the subject in detail, I hadn't realised, I thought, how little I knew about this, you know. I didn't realise it was so minimal, the the knowledge that I had. What I didn't understand was the sheer scope, vastness, size of the movement, Mm. you know, that that it spanned across social classes. And that it, and it was it lasted for so long, you know. It, it went on for years and years. I, I had no idea it was such an enormous thing that seemed to get the entire generation. Really. And you really bring to life the the personalities that's, that's that are involved, the conflicts <laughs> that they have, their different dispositions and characters. Um, but of course, you do it through this this unknown person, really fictional character, in fact. Sally, yes. 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 Tell us about well, that, her. That and freed how me you... up. Yeah, it freed me up from the um, historical material in a way, in that it, I had a character who wasn't fixed to one of the biographies. She wasn't fixed to one particular character who was historically real. So she could move around and she could she could experience things which I wouldn't have been able to write in if I'd have strictly stayed with a with a. Uh, you know, authentic bio- biographical approach, and it, she also comes in from the side, as it were. She comes in by yes. accident. She's, she's, she's in yeah. service. Yeah. She wears what is it called? The muslin, the muslin badge, badge of servitude. Of servitude. Yeah. Um, but she... that was Hannah Mitchell, who is a, who is a real um, a Derbyshire um, suffrage activist. 
uh, who's, a, who's a character in it, but, I mean, that was her expression. She comes out with it in her uh, autobiographical book. I, th- I think that was one of the things that makes it really relevant for today because you can see how Sally starts off on the fringes and as the story goes along and becomes increasingly radicalised mm. by, you know, the treatment they get from the police, you know, the way that uh, the government don't take any notice of them and the more extreme measures, you know, they, they have to take more and more extreme measures as it goes along, so it makes it very resonant today, I think. One of the things that, that really came across vividly, um, just as you're saying, really, is that, that sense of the measures that people had to take. And I guess this is in part um, one of the reasons why it lends itself so well to a visual treatment. Mm. I hadn't really thought about how violent the, the movement was. Obviously, we know about acts such as, as Emily mm. Davison falling beneath, throwing herself beneath the king's horse. Well, we know about you know, the forced yeah. feeding. But you really bring it to life a lot. There's a lot of fighting in this book, isn't there? Yeah. Yes, it was, it's the first time I've written fight scenes. I've <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've not drawn them that often. <laughs> well, it comes across pretty well because she, uh, she is very physical, well, Sally, she's a, she's a working she? class girl. Uh, she's a workhouse girl, actually. She's workhouse a workhouse girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. She's rough. She's to defend herself. She knows how to look after mm. herself, yeah. yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you hope that the that the book will will provoke in, in its readers now, perhaps readers who don't know the details of the history of the suffrage movement? Well, I'm particularly keen that the whole... It all gets revisited. I think it's high time that the, the suffrage movement history was, was um, given an airing again. And I think it's high time that P- the Pethick Lawrences and other such figures who tended to be backgrounded, that their side of the story was told. These are I mean, the people pe- who really... Um, underpinned the movement, they didn't the they? They, they, they funded it. And, organizational and, and we don't know their names. Their names are not no, familiar to us, right. are they? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to um, make people look slightly differently at Emmeline Pankhurst. I mean, most people will only have heard of her, and she was very important, but she's been put on a pedestal, and I'd, I'd like to sort of rattle her on a pedestal a little bit. <laughs> yes, the book is quite subversive about her, isn't it? I mean, she certainly doesn't come out of it as a sort of... Uh, She's not an easy person, and that obviously must come across in the way that you draw someone like that. Now, yes. obviously, you are tied a little bit to, to, you know, to photographs and to the kind of historical record, but how, um, Kate, do you sort of bring a character like that to life? Well, um, I, re- I rooted around on the internet as, as, as many photographs of Mrs Pankhurst as I could, just for facial accuracy. You know, there's quite, quite a few of her speaking, so she's actually got her mouth open very occasionally and in profile, which is helpful. And so using the known facial characteristics and then with a the mirror in front, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to act these things. Mm-hmm. You sit there pulling faces and posing in front of mirrors and taking photographs of yourself and then u- using all those things to um, to coalesce onto the onto the page and hope that you you, you um, put them together there that is a representation of, of how it might have looked because it's a very accurate it's an accurate book on mm. on so many levels. The story is very accurate, apart from bits you made up, obviously. <laughs> the um, you know the costumes, the the, the well, badges, yeah, in the, fact, everything. The, the the back cover. There's a quote on the back cover from mm. the expert on the suffragist movement, Elizabeth Crawford, and she says it, it's the best thing anybody could say about it was not only is it's a rollicking read, a fantastic read, it's also extremely accurate. It is a very very gripping book. Um, 
But I also just wanted to ask you all really about this medium that you've chosen to tell the story in. Um, Obviously, graphic novels have had an immense rise in popularity and in sort of mainstream popularity. Um, So do you think this is a way actually to really kind of reach out to people and to get them to to take this story on so many different levels? Well, yeah, and that's the thing about graphic novels, because they use a mixture of words and pictures. You can get quite complex ideas across very simply and very droughtly by the use of an image. You know, pictures worth a thousand words, as mm. they say. But you can just transmit information very simply using them. It's a bit like having a, a, a film in a book, and except that you can go back and flip through. And and as as someone who's working, if you're the you know if you if you're the writer, if you if you write and draw the whole thing yourself, which I, I've done this sort of thing, of course. You, Brian has too. You have far more control than any film director mm-hmm. because because you, you you don't have actors to worry about. You know you put all the sound effects in. You are the ultimate director, drawing a graphic novel. Um, one of the other things that the the book does is take us right into that period, and obviously there is an immense. Uh, interest in it at the moment uh, because the we're, we, are, we approach yeah. the kind of mm. the, the commemoration of the First World War. A set of commemorations going to go on for four years. Um, 1916, also the commemoration of the Easter Rising. Um, mm. That that kind of idea of that period of time really forming how we were as a nation and so many important things in the world must have really kind of gripped you all as you were writing and, and drawing. Yes, it, for me it was, it was very much... Um the formation of the modern world. I, I felt as though I was looking at it sort of before our eyes. You know, looking at—I mean, looking at um, the way the um, means of transport were changing from the beginning of the story. I mean, it's mostly horse-drawn carriages to the end of it when it's all motor-driven. You know, trucks. And buses There's more traffic going, on the road. Going, and going a lot yeah. more traffic and so on. Yeah. So I felt as though I was bringing it into modernity. And yes, and then it ending, culminating with wartime. Um, when everything changed, of course, so profoundly. Uh, and actually, even, even Sally is wearing shorter skirts. She is, At the yes. end, yeah. <laughs> the girls has all got legs now. Yes. <laughs> yes. The character says, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast and a very merry International Women's Day whenever you're listening to this. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts, at Vintage Books. Leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. Until next time. 